Well, good morning again. Uh, as you can tell, Pastor Bone is not here today. He's actually up in Tennessee this weekend getting some uh, much-needed, much-deserved rest. So uh, he'll be back next week. But you guys are stuck with me today. I'm going to be sharing today. And if you, if you have been here, you know that we've been going through the, the fruit of the Spirit over the last several weeks with a few breaks in between. Uh, but we're going to continue that this morning. In fact, I'm going to be speaking to you today on the fruit of faithfulness. And uh, I'm very excited to speak on faithfulness because I am a big, big believer in it. I get, I'm very passionate about faithfulness because I've, I've seen the fruit of it in my life and what the Lord's done in my life uh, in being faithful and, and encouraging me to be faithful to, to him and to others. And uh, it, it, you know the, the chapter that, that we're getting the fruit of the Spirit from is out of Galatians 5. And I actually want to read it real quick, just kind of reiterate what we've been going through these last, these last weeks. Uh, in Galatians 5, to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against, against such things there is no law. Got a little tongue-tied there. Uh, so what, what we know about the book of Galatians is that Paul wrote this book because the church in Galatia was doing well and people were getting saved, but they, after Paul left and went somewhere else, he started hearing rumblings that the church was causing, forcing people to, to adhere to the law. Even when they got saved, they were saying things like, well, you have to still get circumcised to the men. And, uh, and they, were for, they were pushing these things on the people there that did not go uh, with what the gospel message was, was that you know, Jesus fulfilled the law. We were not subject to having to do all the things of the law anymore. And so he was saying, basically, you guys are getting in the flesh by telling people to do this. And he was trying to encourage them that we want to be in the spirit. Because when we're, when we're saved, for all of us, the moment we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit, right? And the, the fruit of the Spirit is put in us in seed form, okay? We don't just get all of a sudden, get all the fruit of the Spirit the minute we get saved, and all of a sudden, you're the most patient, gentle, kind, and faithful person on the planet. It doesn't work that way. It'd be great if it did, but uh, unfortunately for us, we have to work at it. Uh, there, there's work that is involved in seeing the fruit of the Spirit manifested and exemplified in our lives. And... The reason I get so excited about faithfulness is because I know from what the Word of God says, and like I said in my own life experience, that there is, there's rewards for us when we are faithful. You know, how many of you believe that God is a rewarder? Amen? He is absolutely a rewarder. And it's, it's, there's a fine line there between God being a rewarder and us doing things, trying to earn uh, salvation or trying to earn favor with God. We don't get into works because we understand that works are not what get us saved, right? We are saved by grace. We're saved by faith through grace, okay? Or by grace through faith. And that's the only way we get salvation. But it doesn't stop there. If it was just about grace and getting saved, obviously once we got saved, God would immediately just, whoosh, we'd usher up and go into heaven. It's not about that. It's about living the life after we get saved. When we get saved is really the beginning of our life, right? And so it is okay for us as Christians to, to work hard at our relationship with God and to work hard to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That is okay. That is not a bad thing for us to work hard at that relationship because there is rewards for us. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I want the rewards that come from the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in my life. Because if you look earlier, a couple of verses earlier in that same chapter, Paul talks about the fruit of the flesh, okay? And it, it starts in verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Wow, that's a lot of junk that comes from the, the fruit of the flesh. 
I don't want the fruit of the flesh manifesting in my life at all. And, and uh, I would hope that you guys wouldn't either. But, but to, to ha- see that fruit in our lives that comes from the spirit manifested, it's something that we have to cultivate. We have to work at. You know, there's no magic button. There's no, there's no quick fix to see the character of God manifested in our lives. We have to be willing to work at it. And so today we're going to talk about faithfulness and the importance of faithfulness in our life and the benefits of it. And I want to challenge you and, and encourage you today. I don't, I'm not coming to condemn anyone, but I want us to see, to be able to look at our own heart and see where we're at in, in the area of faithfulness. Because I think if we asked ourselves, are, are, am I a faithful person? If I were to ask you today, are you a faithful person? I, I, I wonder what you would say. I think our first reaction would probably be, yeah, I think I'm pretty faithful. But as we, as we analyze and look a little deeper and do some digging and unpacking in our own lives, we can, there's probably areas in our life that we definitely could use some improvement in the area of faithfulness. And I want to give you just kind of a definition for faithfulness that, uh, that I found. It says, faithfulness is being true to someone or something, being trustworthy, being someone who can be counted on and dependable. Those are some great synonyms for faithfulness, being trustworthy and dependable. That's what I want to be. And I would ask you again today, are you a faithful person? Would the people in your life say that you are trustworthy, that you're dependable? And uh, there's, a, there's a verse that I think kind of sums up what I see faithfulness as being, and it's in Psalm 15, verses one to four. It says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Now I wanna stop right there just for a second. Those two questions that the psalmist is asking, who may worship in your sanctuary and who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those are, what that basically boils down to is this psalmist is asking, okay, God, who can really know you? Who can experience your presence and live with you and in, in commune with you and be close to you? That's what he's asking. And then he gives us a list of the people that can actually have that relationship with the Lord. It says, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. And I got this next part underlined because I think this really encapsulates it. And keeps their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and those who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. Keeping their promises even when it hurts. That to me is the, in a nutshell, that's what faithfulness is. Because faithfulness, if it's something that you want to do because you're getting benefit from it, that's not really faithfulness. Faithfulness is saying, okay, even though there's nothing in it for me, I'm going to stick to my word. I'm gonna do what I know is right because I know that's the right thing to do. That's what faithfulness is. And this is one of the toughest things for us as human beings to do. It is so hard to be faithful when the the chips are stacked against you or where you know that you have a way out that you won't get caught. To continue to be faithful in a situation is very difficult because the flesh is the opposite of faithful. The flesh is all about itself, right? I mean, we all have a flesh. the Bible says we have to crucify our flesh. We have to pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus. If it was a one-time thing where we just crucified our flesh and we said, flesh, you're out of here. If when we got saved, the flesh just died and that was it, then we would be great. But I don't know anybody that got saved and all of a sudden they said, man, every temptation I've had in life is gone. I, I, I just, I'm perfect. You know, I just, I, when I read about Jesus, I think, yeah, that's me. You know, it's not like that for us because the flesh never gives up. That's why we have to crucify it daily. We have to make choices daily to say, today I will not live for my flesh. Today I will live by the Spirit. And hopefully as we get older and as we, as we walk and we mature in our relationship with the Lord, it hopefully gets to where it's a little more natural for us to, to, to walk in that 
and to walk in the spirit and not to be drawn by the things of the flesh. Because we've seen, as we, as we have experience, we see the fruit of living it by the spirit. And that's, it's a good thing to, to have and to be involved with. And so it, it gets a little bit easier, hopefully, as we're older. But the rewards of being a faithful person, I'm going to share quite a few rewards today that, that God gives us for being faithful. But the reward in this passage, it says basically that we will be able to live with God. We will be able to commune with God and experience his presence in our life. Some of you today may feel like, you know, I feel so distant from God. I try the best I can, but I, I feel like when I pray, he doesn't hear me. I, I see everybody else get all emotional in worship, you know, in praise and worship. I see people getting emotional and, and even crying sometimes. And I've just, I just never feel that. I never feel close to God. I'm only, I only come to church because I know it's the right thing to do. And I'm kind of checking it off my quota list for the day because it makes me feel better about myself, but I don't really feel close to God. If that's you, this may be part of the reason why. Because maybe you haven't been very good at being faithful. Maybe you haven't uh, kept your word even when it hurts. Because if, if we get rewarded for doing things and being faithful, then the opposite must be true too. When we're unfaithful, God can remove his presence from us to, to an extent. He'll do that. God, I'm going to share a scripture with you a little later about God, that, about God will not be mocked. You know, we reap what we sow. Paul says that in Galatians, this same book. He says that God, we will reap what we sow. This is, that's New Testament. That's not Old Testament law. This is after the Holy Spirit came and people were already filled with the Spirit. He said, you're going to reap what you sow. And so we can't hide behind grace in a situation like this and say, well, you know, God just, he forgives everything. It doesn't matter what we do. He's just good because he's so gracious and graceful. That's not who he is. That he will not be mocked. And so we are held into account for what we do in the rewards and in the opposite. So I, I just want to suggest to you today that that faithfulness is a big deal. It is a really, really big deal in, in the Christian's life. It's important that we pursue it and work at it to let it be manifested in our life. Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. The reward, the promise of a faithful man that God gives us is that we will abound with blessings. I want those blessings. I want those blessings in my life. Jesus said in Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, you know, ah, it's no big deal. You know, if I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't have a lot of responsibility right now. So it's hard for me to really, to, to be really in, uh, intentional and deliberate about things. You know, I kind of let things slide. I might show up to work a little late if I know the boss isn't going to be there, if I'm not going to get caught. You know, I slack off sometimes when I know I shouldn't. Uh, you know, if the, if the waitress brings the check to the table after dinner and I realize there's a, she left something off, I just don't tell her because I figure, eh, it's not a big deal. That's their fault. They should have known. You know, those little things that we think, ah, it's not a big deal if I'm not faithful in those things. Well, Jesus said that it is a big deal because he says your heart is shown in the little things. So if you're not faithful in the little why would God say, you know what, they've really been slacked off and haven't really been faithful in these things. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a lot of things. Because I'm sure that their heart will all of a sudden just change when they get a lot of things. Jesus said the human nature is the opposite of that. He knows our hearts and he says, if you can't be faithful in these, you will not be faithful in much. So he's not going to bless you with much. You're going to continually stay in that perpetual state of just feeling insignificant and not really being able to get anywhere. Because you think, oh, well, you know, I, I can't get caught, so what's the big deal? And, uh, and I want to talk to you in a little bit about your workplace and what I feel like the importance is of, of how we approach our, our job and, and, and how God sees us and views us in our job. So 
I want to I want to share with you today three, four places or four um, distinctions I think that where it's important for us to be faithful. Okay, I'm going to give you these four. It's not exhaustive, obviously, but it's four things that came to my mind where it's important to be faithful. And the first one is a no-brainer. It's faithful to God. If you if you walk with Jesus, if you are saved, then you know that God calls us to be faithful to Him. Uh, one verse I just want to share quickly and that is Psalm 31:23. It says, love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. There again is an example of a reward. It says he preserves the faithful. I want God to preserve me. You know, that preserve there doesn't mean like he, he it's not like a preservative you put in food where you're just gonna stay the same forever. Praise God for that, huh? He's not gonna preserve you in that way, but he's gonna sustain you. He's gonna lift you up. That's what he's going to do to those of us that are faithful to him. You know, in, in, uh, in Matthew 23, Jesus talks about the, the three guys that were given the talents. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant to the two that, that took their talents and doubled them. When, he, when the master came back and the, the, the servant that got five talents and the one that got two, they both doubled what they had. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Those people were faithful to God. They are faithful to what God had called them to do, and so they were rewarded for it because he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, since you've been faithful over little, I'll give you much. He said, come on and enter into your father's happiness. They were rewarded for their faithfulness. It's so important that we don't look at our relationship with God like, well, I'm saved, and I'm just, I'm just trying to, to get through the week and, uh, and get to church next week or just kind of doing my thing. You know, it's okay because God forgives everything. Because there is a, there's a, a growing... Uh, theory out there. There's a growing narrative that God's just good with whatever. You guys, as long as you do your best, God's going to be fine with everything and you're just going to be honky-dory and, and you don't need to sweat the small stuff. And God, that is not what the Word of God says. You know, it is not what it says at all. It says that, that God sees what we do and he rewards us based on what we do. And so I want to be that one that's faithful with the talents God's given me. And I think the great thing about that verse is that it didn't matter if he had five talents, two talents. It wasn't about how much you had. It was about being faithful with what God had given them. And since they were faithful, God said, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and he put them in charge over many. So it is totally okay. It's better than okay. It's encouraged to work hard for God, to work hard to be faithful for God. I, just, I really want that to sink into you guys today that... that Sunday morning, it's, it's easy, right? Being here today, it's easy to be excited about God. We just, we're corporately together. Most, if not everybody in here knows Jesus. We're, we're just a family. It's, it's like we're, we're, we're sheltered from what's going on outside right now. We're here together. It's, it's easy to be excited about God and love God. But man, when you leave out of this place and you go back to work in the morning and, every, and the world comes crashing back in, it's, it, it becomes more difficult. And we have to be so intentional to work hard, to let faithfulness exude in our lives and to be faithful to God and what he's called us to. So the, the, the second group that we need to be faithful to is our family and friends. If, if we polled or took a survey of those that know you best, would they say that you are dependable and trustworthy, faithful? Or would they say, mm, I don't know, I mean, some, maybe a little bit. You know, I don't think they'd steal my wallet, but at the same time, if, if, I, if I needed to move, I don't know if I would trust them to show up to help me move. Chances are they'd have some kind of excuse that Saturday morning 
you know, that, that they took Friday night to think of. So they didn't have to be there. Are you that person or are you the one that, you're the first one that somebody calls when they need help moving, you know, or need help with anything, just need you to show up and be there for them. Is that, would your family say that that's you or are you the other person? Uh, Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And here we go. This is a huge sentence. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just love your neighbor. That's what the law is, is basically saying. The whole law that Moses was given summed up is saying, love your neighbor as yourself, which is another way of saying, just be faithful. Just be faithful. You want people to be faithful to you, so be faithful to them. If you will live to be faithful to others, you will see faithfulness in your life as well. God calls us to be faithful to one another. Do you know the number one reason for resentment and bitterness in the world is because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I just lost my train of thought, is because of broken promises and unfaithfulness. So number one reason for resentment in life. Every one of us, if you've, if you've lived on this earth for a while, I could probably, you could probably think of someone that you've had to struggle with resentment towards or that you've had to forgive because of a promise that they broke to you. And so we don't wanna be that person that someone else is thinking about if I were to ask that question. I would hope that if I ask in here, is anybody in here having to forgive me, that no one would be able to say that, yeah, I've had to forgive Reagan because of a promise he broke to me. If I did, I'm sorry, I apologize. And you have to forgive me because we've talked about forgiveness. So, but we don't wanna be that people. You know, we, prenuptial agreements in marriage were birthed out of people not keeping their promises. Amen? Yeah. I mean, the wedding day, the wedding ceremony to me um, is, is so sweet and so wonderful. And I, I can't help but think about it when I see marriages fall apart about, about what people think when they, when they think back to that wedding day and the promises they made and how, how those promises were broken and marriages have been broken because of unfaithfulness, because of broken promises. And I'm not here to condemn anyone that's been divorced. I know that there's, sometimes there's just no other way. I, I get that. I understand that. God does not condemn us and neither do I condemn you. But I just know that if we will live our lives to be faithful and we will stand by the promises we made, even when it hurts, we will see God's faithfulness in our life. And, and it, will, it will affect the people in our lives, our friends and family. It will affect them as well. So the next thing, the next group that we are called to be faithful to is the church. Now I have to be careful here because I can get on a soapbox because working in church, you see all the needs, you see all the weaknesses that, that, that are behind the scenes of what, what we need to make church work. But I, I do wanna make a plea to you today, okay? If you're here, if New Hope is your home, okay? Then I wanna make a plea to you today. If New Hope's not your home, if you're here as a guest, first of all, thank you for being here. But whatever church you call home, I want you to, to I, I wanna make a plea to you today that the church needs you to be faithful. The church needs you to be faithful to the church. And it's in three main areas that I feel like the church needs us to be faithful. Serving, giving, and praying. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you and challenge you today in that because there is such a great need in the church, not just New Hope, but all churches, for the people to, ri to rise up and be the church. 
And you know, it's funny that Joy was sharing that this morning from here because she didn't even really know, she hadn't even seen my notes, she didn't even know what I was gonna be speaking on today, but she kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, she, just proof that wives get inside your head, man. Just here to warn you. Uh, don't think you can keep anything from them. But, we, but the church is designed to work as a living organism, right? Let, let me just say this. If you're, if you're somebody that's been saved for a while, let's say, if New Hope's been your home for a while, you're saved, you're not uh, kind of riding on the fence, okay? You're, you're pretty solid in your faith. Uh, if you have a bad week, you don't just fall off the wagon and go and, and squander everything on wild living, okay? You're, you're pretty solid in your faith, and, and this is your home. I want to I wanna challenge you today that the number one priority of you being in this church is not to come on Sunday and get fed and to be in community. It, it's a priority. It's a, it's a big part of church. This, this 11 o'clock to 1230 hour is my favorite time of the week. I love it. So I'm not saying it's not significant, but it is not the number one priority of this church because we definitely wanna be here. We wanna bless all the people that come inside these walls. We wanna be here and we wanna encourage you and we wanna worship corporately and come together. It's a beautiful thing. But the number one priority of the church is for the people that are outside of these walls. It's for the community at large that does not know Jesus as their savior and Lord. There's people across the street. There's people all over Grovetown, Martinez, Evans, Hepzibah, Thompson, Augusta, you name it, all over this area that do not know Jesus. And the church has been put in this area of, the, of Georgia, in this area of the United States, to be a light to this area. And the church staff and the church leaders, the board, those people that are leading in this church can only do so much. In fact, Paul said the fivefold ministry, that we're basically, the church staff is here to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the church staff's job is really to equip you guys so that you can go out and you can share the love of Jesus with our community. But we can't do that if the, if the statistics hold true that 10% of the people in church do 90% of the work. We can't have it. That, that's, that's not okay for us as a church. If this is your home and to just come on Sunday and, and partake of the service and get refreshed and filled up and feel good and you go back to work and then you just try to make it till you get back here on Sunday again, that's not what church is designed for. It's designed for us to all serve together. We're called to be a body. We're called to work together and, it, it, and have our hearts break and ache for the lost of this city, of Grovetown. I mean, this old Bel Air road down here, there's, there's hundreds of houses. There's over a thousand houses on this street. And we know a lot of them don't know Jesus. But we as staff can't just be going out every day and trying to win the people on this street. It's about all of us working together. So I want to challenge you today not to just come and sit in the seats. We're glad you're here. We love you. And we'll... we'll share with you. You're welcome in this place. If you never do anything but sit in a seat in this church, you're welcome here. We would never, we would never rescind that welcome because we want you here. But I, but I want to appeal to you that God has put something in every one of us to be able to serve and to be able to help win the lost in this city. Every one of us. You may not be an evangelist. You may not want to share your faith. That may be the weirdest thing in the world to you and you wouldn't even know how to do it. You feel like you'd stumble over your words. That's fine. We're not all called to, to preach the gospel uh, in words and evangelism. You know, not everybody's called to be an evangelist, but we can all preach the gospel through our actions. Every one of us can do that. We can show the love of Jesus to people just by what we're willing to do, but we have to be willing to sacrifice ourselves and be faithful to the church. And I want to challenge you guys in that today. That is the heart of the church, the way God set it up for all of us. Amen. And I want to, I want to honor a few people today that, that serve this church with all their heart. I just, as I was preparing this, there was a couple people that just jumped into my mind and I said, 
I, I want to I honor them today because I, I want it to be a challenge for you guys too. You know, there's, there's people that serve this church that, that can make every excuse in the book why they shouldn't have to serve or why they wouldn't serve or be here because of things going on in your life. Because that's the first thing we do. If we ask people to serve, sometimes they're like, uh, insert excuse A here, you know, excuse B here. There's, there's always excuses. And I just think, you know what? It's not about excuses. It's about where your heart is. And, uh, I, you know, Daniel Rodriguez is back there. He's running sound today and he's going to probably duck down so nobody can see him. But, uh, but mo- a lot of you know Daniel. He lost his wife seven months ago, quickly, like in a matter of a day. It was unexpected. She, was, she went on to be with the Lord, 31 years old. He was left with an 18-month-old daughter. And here he is today. That was seven months ago. Here he is today running sound for our church because he is committed to serving this church because he believes in the vision of this church and he wants to see the gospel go forth. And he is committed to it. And I want to honor him today because he has an excuse not to be here serving. He could say, I need to just sit in here and I need to receive, but he's here serving. And I, I didn't even tell him I was going to do that because I know he's humiliated right now. But I just, I want so much for, for like when people do that, when, when we see people that are rising to the top, I want them to be noticed for what they're doing. And you know, he's not, he's not out there preaching the gospel necessarily. He's pushing up knobs and, and uh, making the music too loud for some of you to upset you. You know, so just kidding. Uh, but somebody else that I wanted to honor today too, uh, uh, Jonathan and Michelle Foster. I don't even know if they're in here right now. You guys in here? Over there. Oh, there they are, front row. Look at that. Most of you know them. They they're, they're up here on stage most Sundays. They're up here serving our our praise team, singing and just blessing the Lord. And they are so excited to serve this church. I, I could tell you from personal relationship with them that they feel that it is a privilege to be able to serve this church. And I know some of you think, well, but they get to be up on stage and they're in the lights and that's easy to do. They would serve, if we asked them to go clean the toilets right now, they would do it. In fact, go back and clean toilets. No, just kidding, just kidding, stay, stay. <laughs> but that's their heart. Well, you know what? They have all the excuses in the world too. They have three young children. How old's your oldest? 11. 11 years old is the oldest one. And they're here, if you're on the praise team, you gotta be here at 7.30 on Sunday morning. I come in at 7.30, most times their three kids are sitting on that front row. They're actually usually laying down they're half awake but they drag them in here every sunday and get up here and just worship their hearts out and and i just want to honor them for that today we've all got excuses church we've all got excuses it's all about your heart and finally i do want to honor bk too a lot of you know bk we actually brought him up here last week and prayed for him he went into the hospital this week to have his stomach removed because he has stomach cancer and uh, he actually went in and uh, he, did, he did not get a good report from the doctor. They did not remove his stomach. They felt a, it was too far along and that it would do more harm than good to remove it. So you can imagine what the prognosis is for him. But let me tell you something. That man has been in a lot of pain since December. And he's here every week. Now, he's not here today because he just went home a couple days ago and he's still recovering at home. But he has been here every Sunday. And that man works his tail off in our tech department, helping with lights, sound, TVs out in the atrium. You guys, if you know anything about tech, you know that it's, it's not a matter of when or if, it's a matter of when your TVs are going to just crap out on you. And ours pretty much do it almost every week, it seems like. He's climbing step ladders, getting up there, doing stuff. In fact, some weeks his wife Jennifer has to be right beside him just to make sure, because he's so weak, to make sure that he can do what he needs to do because he's been going through chemo. And the man, I mean, you talk about excuses. In fact, we've told him, please don't come to church. Just stay home and rest. He's like, uh-uh, I'm coming. Because he sees what he does with lighting and sound and, te- and IT stuff, that what he's doing is a ministry to the Lord. 
and is serving this church and blessing this church. And you know, we're, we're believing with him for a miracle. We're believing that God's gonna heal that man. There's no question in his mind that God's gonna heal him. If you talk to him, he just, he's not even, he's not wavered one bit. He said, God's gonna heal me and it's gonna be awesome. You guys are gonna see the faithfulness of God. So we're standing with him and I wanna encourage you all to pray for him and continue to lift him and Jennifer up. But, uh, but those are people that have served this church that are just so faithful. And church, we just, there's no, none of us have a good enough excuse. I just, I just mentioned somebody with three kids, somebody with cancer, somebody just lost their wife. I mean, if your story's worse than that, you still don't have an excuse, okay? Because God's working in all of us. And if our heart is to see the church do what the church is meant to do, we'll be here and we'll do it. Okay, then finally, the last uh, group that we are called to be faithful to is to our job or our employer, I heard, a, I heard a big groan across the church as I said that. I guess the question I would ask you today is, are you a faithful employee? Whatever job you're in, are you faithful in what, you're, what you do? If, you're, if you don't have a job, if you're a stay-at-home spouse, are you faithful in what you're, what you're there to do at the home? You know, a, a recent Gallup poll said that 70% of American workers hate their job. That is shocking to me, 70% of American workers hate their job. <laughs> and some of you are probably thinking, well, good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because <laughs> there are a lot of them. And it said even as many as 20% are fully disengaged from their job. They're there because they have to be, but they are, they're actively trying not to do their best. They're just showing up to get their paycheck. And I'm telling you, church, that is not something that God has ever called us as believers to. Uh, Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So you may have the worst boss in the whole CSRA. It doesn't matter. Whether your boss is the best or the worst, whether you are getting grossly underpaid, whether you're on salary and they're working you 70 hours a week, whatever's going on in your work, you have no reason to not be a model employee. No reason. Because the word of God says it very clearly, we are to work as unto the Lord. So when you work hard at your job where the, the, your boss, your company doesn't deserve it, you're not doing it for them. You're not doing it to further them necessarily. You're doing it because you're honoring the Lord. And the Bible is very clear that it says that you will be rewarded for that. You'll be rewarded by Jesus if you work as unto him. And it also changes your attitude when we know that we're working for him. We've all been there. We've all been in a job that we just could not stand. Okay, when I was 16, I worked at Burger King cleaning the broiler at 11 o'clock at night. And let me tell you something, I was not blessing my, employee, my boss then. I did not want to be there, I hated it. It was making minimum wage, $3.35 an hour. Yeah, it was brutal. If my, if my, if my paycheck after two weeks was over $100, I thought I'd won the lottery. And I hated it. But you know what, as we work unto the Lord, as we, as we say, okay, I'm not, doing the, I'm not gr scraping grease for my employer, I'm doing it for Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's, there's no place in a Christian's life to be a clock watcher. There really isn't. And I don't mean that to beat you guys down. I don't mean that to be harsh. I mean that as a challenge to you because we have all done it. We've all been clock watchers, but there's no place for it for us. We are, God sees what we do and he rewards us for what we do. So even if you work your tail off at your job and your employer never sees it, he never thanks you. He even steals credit for what you've done. It doesn't matter. Because your reward doesn't come from him. If you want your reward from him, then you're missing out. Because your reward is coming from your heavenly father. Because he sees what we do. 
Nothing we do gets past him. So if we work as unto him, we could trust that we will get the reward that we're due. Um, I wanted to real quickly, I got about 10 minutes left. I wanna go through three obstacles that I believe that stand in our way of really being faithful to God. These are things that hinder us from, from faithfulness. And the first one is selfishness. And I believe this is the biggest one. If you wanna ruin your life or be miserable, make yourself the center of your world. Amen? I mean, that's just a fact. Selfish people are the most miserable people in all the world because there's never enough. You're never gonna be fulfilled. You're never gonna be happy enough. There's always gonna be something that, that's getting in the way or something that's causing you frustration. The, the gospel message is the complete opposite of selfishness. All through the New Testament, the whole life of Jesus was all about selflessness. It was about serving others. Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And then we look at Paul. He wrote a third of the New Testament. His whole life was about selflessness. Once he got saved, once he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he gave up everything he had and went and served the Lord to further the gospel. In fact, in, in uh, Philippians 3, verses 7 to 8, Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I mean, now that's a guy that got it. I don't know that I can say that and really mean it today. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be transparent. I don't uh, on this stage, yes, today, mm-hmm, everything's worthless except knowing Jesus. But I'm going to get off this stage in a minute, and real life's going to hit me. And I'm going to see the desires of the flesh trying to come up in my life, pursuing the, the stuff, the money, the, the things in life, the things that I think will make me happy, rather than laying it all down and saying, nothing is of any value to me except knowing Jesus. Can we say that in our lives? Can you say that in your life? If you can't, you're in good company. But it doesn't mean that it's not something that we would stri- shouldn't strive for. We should strive that in our life, nothing matters to us except knowing Jesus and seeing the gospel uh, advanced, to see the kingdom of God advanced in our life and in the lives of anybody we can influence. That's his heart for us. That's what he wants for us. Now, I praise God that he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't beat us down and say, you, you worthless servant, why are you doing this? He doesn't do that. He always lovingly, graciously comes up with us and says, I want to help you. Because really, what Joy was even saying that today, true fulfillment, you will not experience true joy in your life until you give everything you are and you don't hold back. That's the only time you're going to experience the true joy that comes, the, the, Bible, the, the joy that the Bible talks about. So selfishness has no place in our life, and all it does is lead to destruction. Uh, Luke 18, verses 18 to 25 is the, the story of the rich young ruler. I'm not going to read it. But you got, most of you know the story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, what do I have to do to, be, to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him a few of the commandments. And he says, oh, yeah, I've kept those. And then Jesus says, but you lack one thing because he saw his heart. He said, you lack one thing. I want you to give away everything you have to the poor and come follow me. And the servant couldn't do it or the ruler couldn't do it because it said he had great wealth. He was very sad because he had great wealth. And I think that epitomizes kind of where what we struggle with as Americans and American Christians struggle with really giving everything we are and holding everything we have with an open hand for the Lord to say, okay, I want you to give it all away and come follow me. A lot of us might say, that's too big a price to pay. I can't pay it. 
And it's because selfishness gets inside of us and it controls more of our life than we realize sometimes. And we need to search our heart and say, God, am I, where am I selfish? Am I selfish? Am I more about me in my life than I am about others? I don't know if you guys, if some of you were probably here when Jack Haynes came a few years back and he preached a message and he said, there's one word that, that, uh, that brings true joy and, and happiness in life. And he said, the word is others. Living your life for others. It's what, the, it's what life is all about. And, but if you don't get it, you don't get it. But we can ask God to help us get it. Amen? All right, so the next one is disappointment. Disappointment is an obstacle to, to serving God faithfully and, just, and, to, and faithfulness in our life. Uh, disappointment basically is feeling as though God has not been faithful to you. Now, I have, I've seen way too many people that have gotten disappointed with God or with others in their life, and it has caused them to, to veer off the path or kind of do their own thing and not be faithful. You know, especially if you feel like others haven't been faithful to you, why would I be faithful to them if they're not faithful to me? But see, I don't see anywhere in the Word of God where it says that, to be faithful to others as long as they're faithful to you. And I'm glad God didn't have that attitude when he sent Jesus. Because Jesus would have said, well, they're not being faithful. I'm out of here. See ya. And he would have went up in a chariot in a whirlwind. You know, but Jesus said, nope. While we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. So we can't use disappointment as a reason for us not to be faithful. You know? Daniel was disappointed seven months ago when when his wife passed. That wasn't wasn't a joyous time for him. But he did not allow it to cause him to be unfaithful and to not not continue to serve the Lord. He has never once wavered in his faith, never wavered in his commitment to God. Never. And I'm very close to him. I know know what he's he's walked through, and I can say that confidently. Disappointment is not a place for us to to stop being faithful to God and to, uh, to, to cause us to walk away or not give all that we have to him. It is not a legitimate excuse. Everybody that you know that's faithful in their walk, every, every Christian you know, you would say, yes, that is a faithful, dependable, trustworthy person. That person has a thousand excuses of why they could be disappointed and not be faithful to God. We've all got them. Some worse than others, but everybody has been let down. Sometimes even we feel like we're let down by God. We know the word of God says that God is never, you know, that he does not let us down. He does not disappoint us, but sometimes it feels like he does. Because he didn't answer a prayer or he didn't do something for us the way we wanted him to do it. And so it's easy for us sometimes to feel like God let me down. But when really God didn't let you down, God, God has planned for you. He works all things for your good. It just may not happen the way you wanted it to happen at that time. So God, and God is always faithful. So we can be faithful to him. And then finally, the last one is greed. Yeah, I heard that groan too. Because this is something... The word greed in church is like, we don't, we don't talk about it. Nobody's, nobody in church is greedy. Nobody, right? We're all just really generous and nobody's greedy with their money. But, you know, I've been in business. I was in business for 12 years before I went into full-time ministry, vocational ministry. And uh, I, I learned quickly in business that when somebody told me they were a Christian, that meant next to nothing when it came to the financial side of my relationship with them. In fact, I would say without doubt that I was taken advantage of more by so-called Christians than non-Christians. Absolutely no question about it. And so I know that greed is in the church. I know it is. And I know, having my own business, I know that it has tried to rear its head in my life. When you start seeing, when you start making a lot of money and you start seeing the potential and things are going well in business, it is very easy for greed to creep in and say... All right, this is what I'm talking about. And you can disguise it by, you know, I'm being blessed. 
but you, you, all of a sudden, all the generosity you had is gone. You're just starting to feel like you want to hoard everything for yourself. You, you're watching your savings account build or your 401k or whatever it is. Greed, no one in, in Christendom is immune to greed. None of us are. We're all susceptible to it if we are not diligent and aggressively dealing with it in our lives. Every one of us. You, you may feel like you're not greedy, but it may be because you've never had an opportunity to be greedy. But I'm telling you, I've seen it in my own life. In fact, I had a, I had a time in my life, it was about six, seven years ago, that I felt it started changing me. I had a really, really good year in my business, a really good year. And I started thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be awesome. I started telling Joy, we're going we're gonna to retire in five years and live, do whatever we want to do. And I started hearing the stuff that was coming out of my mouth and I couldn't believe it. And it grieved me. And uh, I went to the Lord and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to give away every dollar you have saved. And it was, it was a good bit because I did have a good couple of years. And I, I, and I knew it was what the Lord was wanting me to do, but I was terrified because I, I went to Joy and I was scared to tell her. I said, Joy, I feel like the Lord's telling me to give away all of our savings and all of our excess. And she said, oh, good. I'm glad he finally told you that. <laughs> Once again, she knew before me. But we did. And man, it was amazing what it did to my heart because all of a sudden, instead of my, my faith and my reliance being on my money, all of a sudden my faith went back to being on God again. It was like, well, now that safety net's gone. So God, you're all I got. So I'm gonna turn to you. And I wish I could say that from that moment on, I've always been really faithful and pursuing God and trusting God with my life from, from then on. Well, well, just to give you an idea, I've had to give away all of my savings three times. So I, I guess sometimes some people are just, it's harder to learn your lesson. And uh, I do feel today like, okay, I, I feel like I've got a grasp of this and, and that, uh, that God is my provider and that I can be generous and I can, I can trust God. I can hold everything I have with an open hand. And I can tell you with a, with a pure heart today that there's nothing I have that if God said, give it away, I, would, I wouldn't even hesitate. Be a piece of cake. And, but that's something that comes, that's fruit that, that is being cultivated in my life because of, because of the work that I've been doing to try to serve him and be faithful to him. And so we have to be careful with greed because... Church, greed is real, it's aggressive, it's a very aggressive spirit. If we allow it to take root in our lives, it's very hard to beat it. And the only thing we can do is come against it, come in the opposite spirit. And I just wanna challenge you today, if greed is something you are struggling with, I would encourage you to ask the Lord about being extravagantly generous because I believe that he will encourage you in that and, and show you his faithfulness as we are generous. The heart of God is that we would be generous. And when we are generous, the, the fruit of faithfulness in our life is is cultivated, enhanced, and manifested in us. So with that all being said, I'd, I'd like to conclude by sharing a verse with you, and I'm gonna ask Steve to, to come. He's gonna play behind me. Um, you know, faithfulness is tough. It is not easy to be faithful. It really isn't. I mean, all the fruit of the Spirit, you know, some of you may have a couple of the fruit that you just kind of innately have it in you, like you, you're a naturally patient person. You know, you've never experienced road rage. And uh, you didn't even before you were saved. And, and that is real. Some people have that. But for the most part, most of the fruit of the Spirit are things that we can easily struggle with if we're not walking in the Spirit. And I think faithfulness is one of the hardest ones because there's just too many opportunities for us to not be faithful and to get away with it, especially if we're in the flesh. So let me, let me just share this verse that I shared last week from the stage too when I was, uh, when I was up here preparing for the offering. But, but this, this verse just resonates with me. It's in Galatians 6. Verses seven and nine. It says, do not be deceived. So, so Paul's warning us here. Don't lie to yourself. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the, fl- the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. I just want to leave you with this. Let us not grow weary in doing good. I shared this last week. The reason Paul says this is encouraging us not to grow weary is because he knows the tendency is to grow weary in doing good. It's not easy to do good every day all the time. Sometimes you want to be bad. Am I the only one in here that wants to be bad sometimes? We want to be bad. That's because that's what the flesh does. But as we walk in the spirit and we continue to allow the spirit to, to have its way in, his way in us, and we continue to do good, even in that, there's still times where you can feel like I'm not seeing any fruit from all the good I'm doing. But Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good because in the proper time, you will see a harvest. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to please the flesh, you're gonna reap that fruit of the flesh that, was shared, that I shared earlier. If you sow to benefit the spirit, you will reap the fruit of the spirit. It's just simple math. It really is. One plus one equals two. And so whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. And that's encouraging. That shouldn't be discouraging to you. That should be encouraging that we can continue to do good and know that the word of God is true and that we're going to reap a harvest. So I'm going to ask the prayer leaders to come quickly. They're going to stand on the sides over here. If you need specific prayer for healing, If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, oh my goodness, please don't leave this place today without praying and giving your life to him. And these people up here will be happy to pray with you. But if you want prayer for faithfulness, if, if any of this has resonated with you, I believe it's important for us to respond to the Lord when we feel him tugging at us. I really do. I believe it's important that we come and we say, I'm taking a stand. Okay? And so I want to encourage you, if you want prayer, I'm going to pray for you. If you want to come to this middle here, you can, you can come now. We're going, to, we're going to do this. I believe that, that the reason that we're here today is because God wants to help us to be more faithful. And if I wasn't standing up here, I'd be probably the first one standing in front of this stage right now because I know that we all need more faithfulness in our life because the flesh hates it when we're faithful. The enemy hates it when we're faithful. He does not want to see that manifested in your life. So come on up and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord.